0: Very good afternoon, it is Niall Boylan with you for the next hour or so, and this one is a little bit special today, I'm going to be honest with you. As you all know, you know, I do like to talk to people who I find interesting, intriguing. And over the last year, I've been kind of watching many of the UK channels, particularly the more conservative ones, because, you know, I am a conservative. Well, that's if you believe conservative means having standards and, you know, valuing human behavior, the family, relationships and marriage. But one man that kind of stood out for me, you know, with conservative views and, you know, a man of the cloth, by the way, not surprising to see a man of the cloth on television, particularly on a news channel, is Calvin Robinson. And he joins me today. Calvin, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. And, and by the way, it's a coincidence we chatted just before we came on the air. You've recently been to Ireland, by the way, you've been to Belfast, you've been to Bangor. Any chance you're going to pop down to Dublin or the South very soon?
1: No plans as of yet, but if someone wants to send me an invitation, I'd love to be out there. <laughs> it's a beautiful
0: part of the country. It, it absolutely is. But unfortunately, I think it's a very mixed up country and I'm going to come to that in a few minutes time. But I, I just want to come to you first, because for a man, if you go back in time a little bit, you were into gaming, you even had your own gaming website, you were the principal of a school. At what point did you decide that you wanted to be a man of the cloth? or did you refine God, or, or where, how did that come about?
1: I was an assistant principal, but um, I, I think it was a calling rather than a decision. And at some point I realized that teaching was a part of my vocation, but not the entirety of it. And now I'm a pastor, a teacher, and a, a helper, at least, of administering the sacraments. I'm a deacon, so um, transitional, so when I, I'm priested, I will be administering the sacraments directly. But It was a realisation that I was not fulfilling my calling and actually I needed to be an ordained ministry and that's why I left the teaching profession uh, and and became, well, went to seminary and became um, an ordained Mm -hmm. minister.
0: And you're a man, I mean, listening to you on a regular basis, and I have on GB News because you present your own show on GB News, you're a man of values. uh, And on numerous occasions I see you getting quite het up with people who don't have those same values or don't have family values. And you're quite willing to listen to other people and reason with other people, but the core of what you believe in is values. I suppose values in the family, values in relationships, values in marriage. Does it sadden you when you see the world change, when we see relationships become disposable, marriages come, become disposable? Even in Ireland, which would be considered probably one of the most conservative countries in the world, we have changed, we've probably overtaken the rest of Europe and we've become so liberal. I mean, does that concern you when you see the world change like that?
1: Massively now. I mean, Ireland's a great example. It was, until recently, one of the most conservative parts of Europe. And that it's one of the most liberal parts of Europe. You know, the, the abortion laws that have been pushed into Northern Ireland, as an example, are abhorrent. But it's, that's at one extreme end of the spectrum. The closer end is, like you say, family, marriage, uh, decency, good manners, good etiquette. All of that has been kind of disregarded in, in favor of what we see as liberal freedom. But it's never actually freedom. What it, what it is, is freedom to sin. You know, this idea that we don't need to be married. What's the point in, in marriage? Marriage is a beautiful thing. Of course it's something we should be celebrating, but instead, no, let's, you know, have sex with whoever you want to have sex with, live with whoever you want to live with, just be free, be you. What does that mean? It means be miserable, be lonely, be isolated. Surely as a society, we should be raising our standards, not dumbing them down. We should be expecting better of ourselves, but also the people around us too, because we want people to be living godly lives, right? Or we should be,
0: at least. Mm. No, I mean, I, I I actually come from a point of view, and I don't know whether you know that, I'm an atheist, but even as an atheist, I have, I believe I have good morals. And it's always a question that I ask religious people, because I have a great respect for people who are religious. I don't have to respect the religion, but I have a great respect for people and their belief in religion. But do you have to be religious to have moral values? Because people often say to me on the show, uh, on my talk show during the day, when I've callers calling in, who might be people of God, or they might be Christians, or they're Muslims, or whatever it is, that if I don't believe in a God, I'm lost. I'm missing out on something. Am I I missing out? Do people miss out on something if they don't believe in God? Well, that's two different questions. But
1: in, in answer to your first one, yes, you need to have a religion to have morals. Otherwise, where do you get them from? And, you know, you you live in a Christian country, so you probably say, well, you you have them from the people around you, the society around you or something. Well, let me ask you, where do you get your morals from?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I suppose my father and mother were very religious. um, And I suppose it's just a matter of teaching people right from wrong. I mean, my own children wouldn't be religious now. They're all adults now. They're in their 20s. What is right and what is wrong? Well, I think we all know what right and wrong is. We know if we don't judge or treat each other badly, that's the right thing to do. If we don't commit crimes, it's the right thing to do. If we don't go down any roads of debauchery and sin, by the but state. What, but,
1: this, this is all relative. This is the problem. What I consider debauchery and sin, other people would consider a good time. You know, what's right or wrong for me might not be right or wrong for you. And if we look around us in the, uh, across the world, what's right or wrong in different cultures in different parts of the world is very, very different. You know, the parts of the world where people are pushed off roofs for being homosexual, the parts of the world where women are not allowed to show their faces in public, I would consider both of those things wrong. But where they are, they consider them right and normal. The idea that, that we know what's right or wrong is a nonsense. We are taught it uh, yeah. and through our faith. And the reason that I would suggest that you have uh, a good moral code, well, because you're, like you say, your parents might have been religion, religious, but also you live in a Christian country, so you've inherited the Christian moral compass, even if you don't profess to be Christian yourself. You
0: well, to, I, I'm not going to disagree. Maybe Christian values are good so values, but, but so that doesn't yes, mean I have to really hold on to a God. Process. Does it mean I have to hold on to so a God? That was a separate, as I said, uh, start so as a different question. So yes, we
1: need religion for morals, because that's where morals come from. The good and bad comes from what God tells us good and bad but do you need to believe in god that's a separate question entirely you know i would say that it's difficult not to believe in god when you look at the beautiful world around us it's a testament god's creation is a testament to the creator but also on the inverse we're seeing so much evil in the world around us right now it's difficult not to believe in something Other at play, some other forces at play. I was going Um, to
0: come to that question, by the way. What happened in Nottingham um, yesterday, or so the day before? um, You know, where three people died and and three other people were injured. I mean, that leads us to believe. and, And France, the day before, of course, where some man took a knife to young babies. Do you believe that's evil at play? Because. You know, religion can also play a part in things like that. People's, you know, extreme beliefs in religion can also play a part in that as well. I'm not saying in those particular instances, but generally speaking, it can. Do you believe that's evil at play? Do you believe that's the work of the devil?
1: Well, they're two different things. I I do believe it's evil at play. Absolutely. Evil is the separation of one from God, right? Um, Evil is the opposite of good. It's the absence of goodness, actually. So, yes, of course, stabbing children is evil. There's nothing more evil than that. Is it the devil at play? I'll say probably is, yes. But, you know, I don't think you have to have faith in God or believe there is a devil to understand that that is clearly evil.
0: Mm. I mean, it's a strange world that we live in. And, you know, being a conservative is becoming more difficult. Being a conservative, actually, in Ireland was really easy uh, going back 30 or 40 years ago. Now, I'm not dismissing the sins of the Catholic Church, and I'm sure you're well aware of the different reports that come out about sexual abuse in Ireland, which really turned the tide in Ireland at probably in the mid to late 80s when reports started coming out about sexual abuse. And it wasn't so much, I suppose, the priests that were committing those acts of sexual abuse. It was the cover-up. It was the priests and the bishops who didn't say anything and felt it was okay to keep quiet about it. And I think that turned Ireland. I mean, we've seen the biggest drop in our previous census, which was only released not so long ago, in Catholicism and belief in religion that we have seen in the last 100 years so and i think those reports probably and that behavior by the church didn't help magdalene laundry's mother and baby homes which i'm sure you may be familiar with as well which i was born in by the way a mother and baby home do you think the church has done itself no favors when it comes to the way they hid sexual abuse not just in ireland but worldwide worldwide
1: oh it's, it's so sad it's just abhorrent what happened but also as you say the cover-up of, of it makes it even worse and it's a disgrace because people people's salvation is at stake like the, the catholic faith is true and if people want eternal life in christ they have to repent of their sins and follow him and they at the point of the church christ's body on earth is to direct souls towards christ now if pe- the church is like any institution on, on earth made up of fallen individuals and, and people are sinners and if there are enough sinners it's going to put people off anything so it's, it's great shame that there are so many wicked individuals within the church that have put people off the church but it's the faith itself that's at risk here because the faith is more important than anything uh our love for god is more important than anything because his love for us is what makes us so nothing saddens me more than the evil within the church. It's so, it's a great shame what's happened in Ireland. That that the a nation that was known
0: for its strength in its catholicity has almost disregarded that now. The the strength was also a weakness at some point too. Because if for example I talk about the mother and baby homes again, I was I do mentioned I was born in one. The reason many of these young women at the time. Uh, had their baby in mother and baby homes and didn't dare bring them back to the village just because they weren't married. They may have been having sex with a boyfriend, even in some cases being abused by a father or an uncle. And the parish priest, you know, would inherently tell everybody a young girl who's not married can't have a baby because that's an unmarried mother. That's against God's will. That's not right. So they were kind of shamed into giving away these babies. I mean, the pendulum has swung further now in the other direction we would have liked to have balanced it in the middle somewhere because we don't want that badness either in society so do you think that was a bad part we should we look at that part of the Catholic Church and those teachings of the Catholic Church as something that wasn't a really good thing for society no the teachings are the problem it's our
1: not our interpretation but our enactment of the of the teachings yes it's inappropriate for someone to be having sex outside of marriage that's a sin it's fornication Um, so therefore yes it's inappropriate for someone to be having a baby if they're not married but that doesn't mean we should ostracize someone who's fallen into dire circumstances it means we should be there for them lovingly charitably helping them through a sinful situation and redirecting their lives back towards christ and yet you're right that this pendulum has swung too far the other way in that now marriage is seen as a non-issue it's something that's totally relevant and, and fornication is a word that people don't use anymore and people just go around uh seeking personal desire and personal pleasure and people are lonelier now and more more unhappy than they have ever been and this is be- and a large part of this is because it's the breakdown of the family people aren't getting married people aren't starting mm. families and they're realizing that actually sex isn't going to fill that void
0: But but history does repeat itself. And we know that from history, that it does repeat itself. And yes, I think we both agree the pendulum has swung, but too far in the opposite direction. And I don't know whether you worry about the future generations, or do you think the pendulum will swing back again? I think the younger generation are far more sensible than than a lot of us who
1: are in the working world today. I think they're, they're far more conservative. I think they they are far less likely to binge drink, far less likely to be promiscuous, and this is a good thing, you know, STDs are at, are at an all-time high, even though sex education is at an all-time high, you know, we keep hearing from people saying, we need to teach kids younger and younger about sex, and the, the more we do that, the more sex they have, and the more STDs they have, and the more um, teenage pregnancies, and, and um, all the consequences of that, so I think, The younger generation are going to see all the mess or are seeing all the mess around them and thinking, actually, this is not good. We need something better. And they are the result of
0: becoming more conservative. So So did we do the damage? Well, when I say we, I'm a bit older than you. But did we do the damage to the world for the younger people? Or does that kind of just evolve naturally? Does damage and that kind of change in the world just evolve naturally? Because we're seeing a very confused world, which I'll come to in a second when we talk about gender identity and all different things. We're seeing a very confused world at the moment.
1: Yeah, it's not natural, but it is um, collective, so it's not just your generation, or the generation before you, or the generation before you, it's all added up. But, you know, it's, this, these things aren't linear either. Societies, we, we tend to think of progress as linear as well. We see we see that societies get better and better, but that's not the truth. Societies get better and worse, better and worse, in many different areas. You know, for example, race relations in the West is that an, aut- well, until, a couple of years ago, has been at an all-time high in terms of progress. However, um, social decay is actually getting worse so there are different elements of our society that are progressing literally and different elements that are degressing or regressing what's the word i'm
0: looking for there we regressing probably but but you meant to you meant to go race relations i mean you uh, have stood up in the past against critical race theory and the teaching of it in schools because in american schools it's quite common to be thought critical race theory uh you yourself i i don't know how you describe yourself but i, I obviously you would describe yourself as mixed race uh, originally i think from jamaica well your parents were one of your parents were from jamaica so do, do you think that it's important that children grow up with a better understanding of i suppose race being non-judgmental i mean when you see people tearing down statues for example in, in england more so than anywhere else it seems they were tearing down statues i mean there's no doubt by today's standards what those men or women did in the past uh, was wrong by today's standards but in their in their days it was perfectly acceptable so i mean how do we teach children you know, about how to respect each other no matter where we come from, what our culture is and what color our skin is?
1: Well, I think a good place to start is to stop obsessing about the things that separate us or divide us. Children don't recognize race in the same way that we do, because race is pretty much a social construct. Uh, Children love each other for who they are, and then later on we tell them, actually, that kid's black, that kid's Asian, that kid's white, and Mm -hmm. and that means that they, they are privileged they are oppressed and and this and that and actually we're we're force-feeding them racism when you know young people don't don't they're not born with
0: it and the I don't think they are and I think you're right because I, I remember when one of my children well my oldest child now is now 26 years of age when he was five and he started in school and we got a call one day from the school teachers to come to a meeting and uh, we went down to the school and she said we've a bit of a concern I said what's a concern and she said, well, there's a there's a black child in the class, and your son keeps going over and feeling his skin all the time. <laughs> and it was He kept going over and rubbing his face and feeling his skin, and she said, look, we know it's completely innocent, but could you talk to him about it? And I think with children, there's a curiosity more so than anything else, isn't there?
1: Well, yeah. If you've grown up around each other, you won't recognise... or you you won't see skin colour as important, but of course if it's introduced slightly later it will be a novelty and you'll be interested and curious Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. people are, of course. And that's when it should be acceptable to have conversations, and it's the conversations that have been shut down. quite Mm -hmm. often people want to say to me, what's, you know, why are you brown, essentially? They want to know what's your heritage, and they they try, I, I see them stumbling and it's embarrassing clumsily. Like, so, so where are you from? But but where are your parents from? No, where are they? Like, they just want
0: to know how come my skin color is browner than theirs. Is there something wrong? I've often wondered, by the way, is there something wrong with that? When you see somebody who's clearly not of Irish origin, in my case, right, um, and maybe their parents or grandparents come from a different part of the world because of the colour of their skin. And we'd always, I think it's just a habitual thing, or maybe we're just trying to be friendly. I don't know what it is. And we always say, you know, you're in a taxi and the taxi driver happens to be Nigerian or something like that. And you happen to say, so where are you originally from? I mean, we we don't, <laughs> some people have even described that as racist in itself to so actually suggest that you shouldn't say things like that. But I think it's a natural curiosity with people to ask people where they come from of course it is
1: it's an interest in people and having an interest in people is a good thing but it's another one of these things that's been shut down as as you rightly say racist It's it's why is it racist what's it, what's racist about inquiring about another person mm-hmm. it, again it's a shutting down of the conversation in order i think to maintain power structures because what essentially we have in our society right now is a, a left-wing mentality of People must belong in boxes, uh, whether it's race or or gender or sexuality. It doesn't matter. Put put people under these labels and then we can control them. Uh, But we don't belong in these labels. We're all different in many different ways. And we're all equal in lots of different ways, too.
0: And we all should be treated equally. And speak of equally, of course, you would be—you would know that Ireland was one of the first countries in the world to legalize uh, gay marriage or marriage equality, as the referendum was called. Um, now, gay people can't get married in most countries in the world now at this stage, but we were the first country to actually legalize and recognize it properly. Do you accept that no, gay people can get married?
1: No, of course not. Because marriage ex- means something. Do you what accept they can love be?
0: each other? Do you accept they can love each other?
1: I, I, well let's break it down because marriage to me means a union of two people one man, one woman so it's heterosexual, it's monogamous now if if you're talking about two gay people being in a relationship that is two gay people being in a relationship if you want to invent a word for it create a word for it, but it's not marriage because marriage means something already it's like me saying I'm going to call this a speaker it's not a speaker it's a microphone it does something it takes my voice in and transmits it to you if i start calling it a, a speaker you'd have trouble knowing the difference between a speaker and a speaker right and it, that's that's the issue i have with marriage in that it has it means something but mm-hmm. can two gay people love each other i mean two people of any um to any people can love any person can love another person but that doesn't mean it's good it doesn't mean it's orderly you know that we have boundaries for a reason can a grown man love a young girl genuine question
0: well well it's not because then you're talking about consent aren't you i mean if you're talking about a very young girl i don't know how young we're talking but of course not because you're talking about consent and, and also i suppose we have to have a balance of common sense i mean if a 60 year old man has an interest in a 20 year old girl maybe the, he has the one with the issues but i think we talk right, about common, I mean, common sense she's, consent, she's consenting uh where does this common sense come from well I, well, I think we all have a level of common sense and understanding that, well, firstly, we'd have nothing in common, um, so I don't even know why you'd be interested in that. So solely, I would imagine, generally speaking, if a young man or if a 60-year-old man is interested in a 20-year-old girl, he's with her for one purpose and one purpose only. Um, and that would be my view on it. I think you should stick to close enough to your same age. Well, as you get older, is, the differences are not quite the same. I mean, it's okay in having 10 years if you're 60 and your wife is 50, but not 20 yeah well, I, indeed, but, but, but I don't I don't think that's is. quite the same thing as two men who may be of equal age is love has boundaries everything has boundaries because
1: freedom is found within boundaries and right now in society as i said at the start people want to be free to sin people think free- mm-hmm. think freedom is is escape from boundaries but no ba- boundaries are what makes things proper and orderly and good For example, if you're a parent, you wouldn't let your child play out in the middle of the road. You'd say you can play on the pavement, or you can play in the garden, but not in the road. And that's not because you don't love them. It's not to say creating a boundary is, is unloving. It's because you love them that you give them a boundary. Now, God gave us boundaries. He said that... Um, marriage between one man and one woman and we know the reasons for that one of the reasons is it's good for the man and the woman another reason is it's good for the community another reason is it's how you start families and another reason is it's for the work to create to procreate to create children not just for our survival as a species but for more people to worship god so there's a reason behind the order and the boundary
0: Okay, I won't get into the, the. I suppose the fact that lesbians can still procreate. They they use obviously sperm donations and well, uh, gay men cover. and gay men can adopt. Well, that's they what they would argue. I mean, our own T. here, our prime minister, as you call it, is a gay man. Uh, and many many years ago, by the way, he said he was against gay men adopting children. He changed his mind very quickly in that once he got into power. Um, but I mean, do you think that's a, is it acceptable? We're seeing more and more members of the gay community, uh, taking positions of power. Um, Do you you have an issue with that, or or is that okay?
1: Look, I don't have a problem with someone because they happen to be same-sex attracted. Mm -hmm. My issue here is that, as Christians, we're all sinners. And it's about recognizing that sin and repenting of that sin instead of embracing and affirming it. That's the issue I have a problem with. So it all comes back down to the basic idea of hate the sin, not the sinner.
0: Uh, in relation to, I suppose, what we talked about speech a few minutes ago, when you talked about the, the freedom to to be able to speak, uh, I'm not too sure if you're familiar if you're familiar with the Irish laws at the moment. And currently, over the particularly over the last three days, in the news quite a lot. And Elon Musk has actually mentioned Michael Schellenberger, the famous commentator, journalist, and reporter. Donald Trump Jr., uh, many other commentators around the world with international platforms are mentioning how embarrassing Ireland's new what they're calling Orwellian speech laws are. Uh, Essentially, we have legislation here from 1989, which is incitement to hatred. Um, We now want to expand on that and have excitement to hatred and incitement to hate speech. Um, But the Minister uh, for Justice refuses to define the word speech and said she would leave it to a judge to to deter what she believes is speech. And to give you a small sense of what I'm talking about, they're debating it currently in the Oireachtas of the House of the Oireachtas, which is the Shannon. And this law will probably get passed before September. And a member of our government, our Green Party, just said this, and I'll just play this little clip for you just to see what you give you a sense of it. When you think about it, all law, All legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here, is we are restricting freedom, but we're doing it for the common good. You will see throughout our constitution, yes you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. Are we restricting freedoms for the common good or are we censoring people? Is this going back to because we spent years here debating whether we should have a referendum to get rid of blasphemy laws, which we did five years ago, and now it seems like we're bringing in more blasphemy laws or censorship to protect other characteristics of minorities. You are. That idea, that's terrifying, listen to her say
1: people should be able to live <laughs> lives that are free of uncomfort. What what, what human right is that? That we we have a human right to be comfortable and to not ever be offended or ne- not ever hear anything that we disagree with? That's bonkers. That's actually insane what she's preaching there. And this idea that everyone should be safe. There's nothing harmful or unsafe about disagreements or someone having a different be- set of beliefs to you or someone saying something that you don't like. This idea of, I mean, we, we know we have it too good in in Western society when we when we think that that is what makes us unsafe. Go live somewhere that is truly unsafe, and I'm sure she'd, she'd come to a
0: different conclusion. I mean, I only I said recently to one of my producers, uh, and she's probably quite young. When I say young, she, to me, she's young, she's in her 30s. I said, I feel very lucky and I feel very privileged that I've probably lived in the best part of humanity ever, we 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 voted for freedom. We fought for freedoms in Ireland. We did it back in 1916. The British did it as well. I won't get into the history between Ireland and Britain because that's, that goes down a very rocky road. But we fought for freedom and we fought for freedom to speak and freedom to express ourselves. We had a constitution uh, which gave us that freedom to express ourselves, which is still in the constitution, by the way. And I, I'm hoping that if this legislation is passed, it will be challenged in the Supreme Court. But in saying that, we're now at a juncture where that freedom is going to be taken away again. In other words, if you go online, for example, to use an example, and say, I don't believe a man can become a woman, you're causing somebody, as she said, discomfort or to feel unsafe or offended by your remarks. And the the legislation gives the police the power to go into your home to take any devices that you have and if they suspect you're in possession of any material that may be of hatred, um, you will be charged and brought to court.
1: It's it's tyranny that's what it is. It's oppressive. The idea that my opinion is not the same as yours, therefore, somehow, it's hate speech. I, you know, I don't. I disagree with you now on quite a lot of stuff already. I don't hate you. I love mm. you as my fellow brother. In, well, not brother in Christ, but hopefully one day brother in Christ. Um, <laughs> The idea that because we disagree means one of us hates each other is bonkers and this is why she won't define hate because it is tyrannous it is a case of if you do not subscribe to the approved narrative you are therefore naturally a hater and a hateful person speaking hate speech
0: it's horrible and in relation to that narrative i suppose This has all come about. This bill was originally uh, published back in 2021. It's now only coming to be coming before the Dáil, before the government, which the government voted, by the way, 110 to 14 uh, for this. Only 14 uh, elected representatives voted against it. I I imagine, by the way, out of the 114 who voted with their parties, half of them probably haven't even read the legislation, don't even understand it. That's normally what happens in Ireland. As I said, it'll go to the president. But... In relation to this, the narrative that we talk about, it seems to be coincidental or is it coincidental that at this particular juncture in society, we have a huge debate in relation to the fact that men can become women or women can become men. What's your thoughts on that? Do you you accept, I mean, biologically, firstly, but also do you accept somebody's identity? In other words, would you respect somebody? If I, for example, identified as a woman and my name is Pauline, Would you happily call me, Pauline, to keep me pleased and happy?
1: I would respect you, but would I lie to you? Probably not. No. Mm -hmm. Um, If you asked me to call you she, her, I'd probably say no now because you're clearly a bloke. (laughs) Um, I'm not going to go along with your delusion. I probably wouldn't say it in that way, but I don't think there's anything loving or so you're not going to pretend with me you're not you're not going to pretend with me no i don't think we should be compelling people to lie either and that's what it is lying because we know biologically it's not possible to change sex it's physically impossible and that's without bringing any of the faith elements into it but they see they
0: will say to you the minority that you use what you just said is incorrect because we're not talking about sex they talk about gender and they try to differentiate and they say i believe personally the two are intrinsically linked but they don't believe they're linked they believe that gender is a social construct and is interchangeable in some way
1: well that's what we used to say but now we call it's called a sex change um operation it's called uh, change of sex identity so i don't know where what gender means or where it comes into it It makes no sense to me anymore it's all very confusing but i think they keep it confusing on purpose you know the number of genders goes up from what was it 79 to 99 and first it goes up to you know being multiple genders and then it becomes (laughs) non-binary what does that mean how can it be binary in the first place (laughs) excuse me if there's 79 of them but then what does that mean for people who happen to be bisexual can you have sexual attraction to different genders uh if you are not none of it makes any sense it's all a power play
0: you're getting confused by it all now at the stage. I am confused by it all. Hmm. And and what what sort of reaction do you get as a commentator and obviously somebody on television as well? Present your own television show. What sort of reaction do you get to the views you have? Because I can tell you now, here in Ireland, as a commentator or a radio presenter as well, um, if you express certain views, you'll be off the air. And that's the way it works. We're not as fortunate as Britain that we don't have the larger population, so we don't get to have, you know, um, you know Talk TV, GB News, or those more conservative stations. So, I mean, what happens? I mean, do, do you get complaints, for example, uh, after your show if you impart that kind of view? Yeah, I suppose, but I don't really pay any attention to that. If people want to complain, that's their issue. I don't see why
1: people can't live in a plural society of people with different views and beliefs it's it's always the ones that say we should be more tolerant and more diverse that actually don't want to be tolerant of my opinions and don't want to have a diversity of thoughts and opinion. So mm. They're all hypocrites, really.
0: And, and going back to the start of that question, when I said that I felt privileged that I lived in this part of humanity where I think I've had the most amount of freedom anybody's ever going to have in society going forward, even in the future. Do you you think that is the case? Do you think we're slowly but surely losing our freedoms when you look at what Ireland is doing? And by the way, they're calling this an EU directive. Aren't you so damn lucky because of Brexit? They're calling this an EU directive um, that they have to. They're saying they have to do this. They don't really have a choice, which I don't believe for a minute. I think that's a lie. Um, But they're saying it's an EU directive. So if this is going to spread across the EU, uh, uh, possibly, I don't know, the United States, although they seem to value their First Amendment, uh, maybe Britain, I don't know. Do you think we're heading down a road where we're all going to be silenced?
1: I think it's worse than that. If I'm honest with you, I think the West is falling much like Rome fell. I think we've seen the best of times. And now we're on a downward trajectory. Uh, it's not just our freedoms that, that are going, it's our very way of life. And mm-hmm. we your, your, your young friend who says that your producer who said they're very privileged to lived in the best t- of times, perhaps that's true, but it's not going to be the case for very much longer, I don't think.
0: And as a God fearing man, Do you believe the people who commit these evil acts or people who are responsible for evil evil acts that are changing the world, do you believe that we can forgive them? Because I suppose there's always forgiveness, is there?
1: Yeah, there is always forgiveness, but that's not necessarily from us, that's from God. So, yeah, if they Mm -hmm. want to seek forgiveness, they have to repent and then they are forgiven. But that's that's the key thing there. There has to be contrition. Quite often there isn't. Uh, But it's not always evil men that are making these decisions. It's often just incompetent people in general. Mm. And... That there might be a big global conglomerate with a big agenda to change the way of
0: the world. Do you think works? there is? Because people there say that, be. is that like a conspiracy theory or something? I don't know that the, there's this group of people in the world, including George Soros and Bill Gates and everybody else and the WHO, are they all in a big room together? Oh, the World Economic Forum is kind of what we hear about quite a lot. Well, do, you think, do, you think there's a, do you think there's a plan? Do you think there I mean, is a plan? There, there might be a plan, but I think it's probably more likely that these people
1: live within their own bubble. Well, they only hear from each other, they validate each other's opinions it's a bit of a cyclical situation and they're like yeah of course we need to have net zero policies yeah of course we need to have hate speech laws and they're all doing the same thing because there's no innovation there they can't think
0: Mm -hmm. and so politicians in general i mean we've been listening here in ireland recently you may not be too familiar with it but they have been questioned on numerous occasions only by one particular media outlet grip media uh, who are a conservative media outlet uh, who are asking them why they're not listening to the people and there has been numerous polls in relation to that particular piece of legislation public submissions were taken and 70% of the general public said they didn't agree with the legislation i did a poll yesterday on twitter by the way and we had over 12000 votes on the poll and 97% of people said they didn't agree with the legislation but yes they're motoring on and they're doing it anyway do you think politicians have stopped listening to people oh massively so democracy as we know
1: it is dead but the question is what do we do about it um, we're stuck i don't know what your system is like but
0: we're stuck with a two-party state we're stuck with a day. three-party state <laughs> we're not too we're not too far we're not too far behind you so, i mean so the question is what do we do about that well, I don't know what to do because we're in a similar situation to yourself that we have Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil were the main two parties. We've also got Sinn Féin, who were the Republican Party, who were obviously intrinsically linked many, many years ago to the IRA, which I'm sure you are familiar with. Um, but now they're a political party. Um, and then what happens is, even if they don't get the votes to get into power, they'll drag a few independents in just to get them back into government anyway. So this, at this particular point, they've dragged um, the Green Party, who got 3% of the vote, into government with them just to form a government. And now we have the Green Party. You've got 3% of the votes; Only 3% of the population actually listen to them or want to know what they have to say. But yet they're making laws which are affecting Ireland drastically, like reducing the herd of cattle. Uh, For Ireland, dairy products is a huge export. What's what's your feelings on climate change? It seems to be a
1: big scam. Uh, we're, We're seeing similar things. Well, all the way across Europe, really. People who own farms being encouraged to either stop farming or to sell their land, which is bonkers to me, because um, for, for example, Great Britain has a um it covers about 85% worth of grain to be self-sufficient. So we don't yeah. have to import that much. But a lot of grain farmers are getting in touch from now and saying that they're being encouraged to stop farming and or sell their land too. So it, it seems like we're trying to become dependent for some reason. And then a lot of this comes down to the, to the carbon emissions. And we're seeing, you know, people flying in private. I was, like I said, I was there in Davos. I saw them flying in their private jets to the helipad to get their helicopter to <laughs> the meeting to, to meet each other, to tell us to stop growing our own fruit and veg, it's like <laughs> well, well, it well we had the
0: same thing. We had Joe Biden over here about six weeks ago. And uh, he arrived at the Oireachtas, uh where he wanted to speak to all the Irish politicians, and they all. By the way, I've never seen so many politicians appear appear in the, in the houses in one particular day. By the way, that's called the doll in our country; it's called the Houses of Parliament in your country. Um, but they all they all turned up where they're rarely there, so they all turned up to see Joe Biden and and just to look good and virtue signal beside him. But he arrived with I don't know a cortège of fifty cars and with five liter diesel or petrol engines, gas guzzling things. Got off his private jet. And the last part of his speech, which was televised nationally, was about climate change and how we all need to reduce our CO2 emissions. And I'm going, this has to be the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: Well, it's this ridiculous idea that charging normal working folk more tax is going to offset carbon emissions somehow, whilst they're still swanning around in their private jets, etc. But we are the ones that pay the price and everything becomes more expensive. And they're the ones who invest in offshore um, energy companies and make a killing from it.
0: I mean, you do, I, I suppose you do agree, like most people, that we have to be kinder to the planet and, you know, generally speaking, I mean, within logical sense, I mean, our, the environment, we need to be kinder to the environment. I'm not getting all green on you and climbing up trees here, but we do need to be kinder to the environment, don't we? We have
1: to be stewards of the earth. We have to look after the earth, but the earth is here for us, not the other way around. And a lot of people on the climate uh, crisis side of the argument seem to think that the world would be
0: better off without us on it. <laughs> Again, that's insane. Well, some of them are, have almost suggested that, by the way, reducing the population. Sure, they have suggested that they're not going to have any children to save the planet. I mean, that's some of the suggestions that by some of the extremists. And I know uh, Greta is one of the extremists. And it was bizarre when you go back five or six years ago, and we see so many people in the world following a 16-year-old girl uh, making predictions about the world in five years, predictions that she's now removing from Twitter because it didn't actually come true.
1: Yeah, I know. I met her out there in Davos. I spoke to her for about 20 minutes. Uh, Clueless, absolutely clueless. She didn't have anything interesting to say. She didn't have anything to say without her script, without her narrative to read from. And that just goes to show, you know, she's been used as a puppet puppet for all these years by these big business, big bankers, uh, people making a lot of money off of net
0: zero policies. How dare you? (laughs) Isn't that what she would say? (laughs) How dare you? I mean, religion in itself, I mean, in Ireland, you know, as we've already mentioned, that religion has um, certainly declined. But the other problem for religion is priests, because, you know, if you get married in Ireland now or if you die in Ireland, it's a difficulty to find a priest that will actually bury you. We've, so much so, our, our, our funerals used to go on for two days. You'd have a mass the day before, you'd have a burial the next day. They've kind of reduced that down to one day because it's difficult to get a priest. The same way as getting married, people are using humanist ceremonies because, or, you know, um, solemnizers, because you just can't get a priest anymore because I think last year there might've been only one priest ordained. I mean, that's gotta be a difficulty in the world to keep spreading the word of God if people like yourself aren't around anymore. I wasn't
1: aware how dire things were in Ireland. They need to have a big um, opportunity opportunity for mission. They need to get a load of people. I don't know. They need to be catechizing. They need to be
0: evangelizing. And they need to be creating young new priests. But isn't part of the problem that in the priesthood in Ireland the Catholic religion, of course, which a lot of the rules of Catholic religion are man-made, they're not allowed to get married, they're not allowed to have children, and um, they're not allowed to own property. Um, there are so many rules. Uh, celibacy, of course, is another rule, which to me is, seems inhuman for a, a male, a man, to be celibate. Would you? Would you agree if we got rid of all of those rules that maybe it might encourage more people to want to go into the priesthood? It's not inhuman, but. The Not everyone is called to celibacy.
1: Um, A lot of people are called to marriage, and some people are called to celibacy. I think the problem the church has in conflating the call to celibacy with the call to the priesthood, you know a lot of people are called to the priesthood but might also feel called to a married life and that used to be okay it's a Mm -hmm. relatively recent tradition that priests must be celibate in the western church of course it's not the case in the in the eastern catholic church or in the orthodox church or or of course the anglican church but uh, it's you know it's it's a issue for roman catholicism
0: Mm. I mean I, I I'm seeing more and more when when we look at Britain for example and you obviously you guys have vicars and all sorts of or deacons as they would be uh, whereas we literally only have priests uh, and and that's it and they're all Catholic priests and I and I do believe that their lives are very much restricted and I do believe that's what discourages other people who maybe found God or feel they have a calling and actually going into it um but that's as may be do you think the decline of religion will continue and do you think that The narratives that we spoke about earlier on, like gender identity, um, are they all new religions? Because I know um, Richard Dawkins described them as new religions, that, you know, the fall of one religion will be closely followed by something else because everybody needs a belief to hang on to. So LGBTQ, has that become almost like a religion for for people or veganism, climate change, are they all religions? They're all part of the same religion,
1: really. It's neo-Marxism. They're all angles of the same thing, uh, painted up in different ways. You know, much like the Hindus have all these different gods or whatever. It's the same with wokeism. Uh, You've got the the net zero stuff, the climate so-called emergency. You've got the gender stuff, transgender stuff. You've got the sexuality stuff. You've got the race stuff. It's all the same religion. Um, But in terms of Christianity dying out in the West, it's because many people within the church have adopted the new religion instead, the new new polytheistic religion, and they're talking about climate change and critical race theory and transgenderism and stuff instead of the gospel that Christ is the messiah. He, He went through his passion, death and resurrection for our sins he offers us eternal salvation if we repent of our sins and follow him that's the gospel message but they've, they've gone with a new gospel a false gospel that's why in the west the church seems to be dying but if we look around the world it's actually growing the faith is growing especially across the african continent and the global south
0: but, but, we, are, in Orthodox. but we are seeing people moving around the world very quickly now rather than you have know, to go back 30 years ago that didn't really happen but we're seeing people coming across the mediterranean and um and many of those would not be Christians and I, I you yourself by the way objected recently to Muslims using Christian churches um which uh, does that not go against the very belief of Christianity and you know and not judging anybody and uh, and sharing everything no, etc
1: no that's a nonsense that's not a
0: belief of Christianity <laughs> I don't know why people always think that
1: the Bible doesn't say don't judge it says judge righteously but that's nothing to do with um being against Muslims playing Praying in a Christian church—that's not judging. That's saying within this house of God, we should not break the Ten Commandments, and the first of which is that there are no other gods but me. Therefore, having someone pray to a false god, another god, within a Christian church is is against God's law. So that's what that's about. That's not about judgment.
0: Does does it concern you that Islam is, I suppose, the the numbers of people, um, uh, you know, praying to Islam or praying to Allah, or you know, who are a Muslim? has risen uh, around the world in comparison the western world more so uh that 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 is rising as christianity is reducing does that concern you i think it should concern all of us unless we want to live in a predominantly islamic country i, know, I certainly don't which is why i don't, no, I, don't I don't either no not
1: particularly uh, <laughs> the, i don't
0: think Mind you, i don't i don't want to live in, in a, a country out of that would be reminiscent of 1950 Ireland you know where it was kind of the, the the church ruled the country with an iron fist either i think there's a balance somewhere in the middle
1: right there might be a balance but there has to be a set of values that's the point there is no neutrality uh when it comes to faith because that void will be filled with something whether it's islam or woke or mm. christianity uh, mm. so we need to be careful we need to consider what do we as a people want to stand for what do we want to believe in
0: when you do your show on a regular basis, just finally because, and I appreciate you by the way, staying as long as you have stayed with us today, and it's been very interesting talking to you, but when you're doing your show on a regular basis, both on radio or TV, which topic is the one, that, Like, I have a, there's a few topics like that I would talk about because I talk for five hours nearly every, t- every single day doing both shows, but there's a few things that really get me going, drive me insane. Is there anything, What what's the one thing that really, once it comes up in the news, you said to your producers, we're doing that, we're, I, need to, I need to talk about this. We need to do this today. <laughs> is, is there something in particular that really kind of gets you every time? No, I think it's the opposite. I think it's more like, oh, we've got to talk about this again, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> the same
1: issues keep coming up and we don't seem to be learning our lessons.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, the Just Stop Oil protesters, do they, because we haven't experienced much of that yet, can I just say, we've been very lucky, they haven't really started showing paint on, you know, paintings in this country yet, or, you know, lying in the middle of roads, we haven't really seen it, I know it's on the way, does that drive you insane?
1: It does drive me insane, because they are insane, they believe in this cult of, what's well, a doomsday cult, isn't it,
0: that the world yeah. is going to end in five years, unless we But they've been here for years! They've been around for a hundred years. They used to go around with sandwich boards on them years ago. The world that well, was the end is nigh. And then yeah. back in the back in the seventies, they kind of moved up into the trees. Do you, do you remember that? They had the uh, the little houses up in the trees, and they lived in the trees. They minus the bar of soap. Uh, and now they, of course, have moved. They still to the, got bar of no, they still haven't got the bar of soap. They've moved to the streets now. But why do you think the British police, by the way, are? allowing them doing what they're doing. Because I see the British police pandering to them constantly all the time and allowing them to hold up traffic, allowing them to enrage people, which literally causes fights on a regular basis. Why do you think that's happening? Why are they allowing them to do it? When they're clearly nuts. There's a a two-tier policing system in Britain at the moment. Causes that are seen as
1: right and just are treated one way, and causes that are seen as on the fringe are treated another way. You know, people who campaigned for their civil liberties against lockdowns or against vaccine mandates were treated one way, and then people who were out protesting for Black Lives Matter or extremist rebellion or just are treated another way. And It's disgusting to see that happen. Hmm. If, if people are allowed to protest in this country, fantastic. But when it becomes disruption and when it com- becomes vandalism, they should all be treated the same way, regardless of which, whether
0: the police or the government believe in that cause or not. So, criminal damage is criminal damage. End of story. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and by the way, they have put a few of them in jail, but I think they're being quite lenient on them, to be honest with you, from what I've seen. The police are soft these days. You know, when I was younger, the police had
1: to be a certain height, they had to be quite fit, and yeah. they had to, they were I remember that. to be rigorous. These days, they're like nervous, little, weak, feeble. Not all of them, of course. <laughs> um, a lot of them are overweight. And it's like, what is going on? We just don't respect ourselves anymore. That's what it
0: is. I mean, the, 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 you are right. And I do remember, actually, in Ireland, we used to have a lot of police like that. We call them Garda Shea by the way. And there was one very famous one from Cork. His name was, there's a few documentaries about him. His name was Lugs Brannigan. And he was quite famous because if, if you were a kid and you were hanging around a street corner late at night or hanging outside the shop late at night, you know, he'd give you a clatter across the face and tell you to go home to your parents. you will be hanging around and he'll be up to no good. That's the way he would deal with you. I, I mean, just finally, because it just came into my head before I let you go. Um, there's been a lot of talk recently in this country about affirmative action. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with affirmative action. It was a failed uh, concept in America. Uh, mind you, they still do it in the universities when it comes to allowing students at university. But, I mean... We so far have 30% when it comes to gender uh, in politics. You must have 30% candidates uh, in your party. Um, now they're talking about, obviously, in relation to refugees, uh, asylum seekers who get citizenship, uh, that they do want to bring in some sort of affirmative action or there's been a suggestion of it uh, when it comes to politics. So is all par- so all cultures, all um, descents, um and all minorities are represented. Do you think affirmative action works or is there a purpose behind it?
1: It doesn't work and that, that proposal sounds quite dangerous because do you really want all cultures represented in, in all political parties or do you want them to be able to be unique and stand for what they believe in? Um, mm. Affirmative action is just another way of saying positive discrimination and there is no way that discrimination is positive in this regard. It's treating people based on their immutable characteristics, the things about themselves that they can't change, and it's treating them as if they are the most important things about them. I I believe in meritocracy. I believe in treating people based on their merits, their actions, their words, what they do, what
0: they believe in, rather than how they look. And I think it's very sad when we kind of... We're seeing it in the UK as well, aren't we? Sad actually. I was looking for interns recently, and more or less, you might as well have just put in the ad white people need not apply. I mean, because...
1: Do you you even back to what you guys used to have? Well, when when you came over here, no, no, no blacks, no
0: dogs, no Irish, right? (laughs) Yeah, people mention that all the time. Thankfully, the Irish are very welcome in Britain now, and of course, you're very welcome to come over here as well. Look, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. But what about dogs? Oh well, you can bring your dog with you as well. By the way. (laughs) Right. But I, 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 Brexit has made a big difference that mind you nowadays you can't actually bring your dog unless you're in part of the European Union anyway it's been very wonderful to talking to you Union. Calvin Robinson listen thank you very much indeed and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us I didn't agree with everything you said and I'm sure you don't agree with everything I believe in either but I have to say there's a happy medium and at least we're allowed to talk to each other and it's been wonderful talking to you
1: uh, God bless thank you for having me on
0: the multi-award winning Niall Boylan party.